0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Hello. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, and I am still in the midst of teaching the book, The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. So, in this series, Exploring the Power of Intention, I've been taking my time teaching the chapters little by little, bit by bit, because I want to make sure that you have what you need to get the breakthroughs you desire. So, right now, I'm still on the chapter, Your Impact on Others When Connected to Intention. And that's chapter five of the book, The Power of Intention. So I want to start on page 97 and finish the chapter out. So first of all, it reads, how your energies impact others? Dr. Dyer wrote, when you feel connected and in harmony with intention, you sense a major difference in how other people react to you. And I noticed this to be true. When you have a consciousness of wholeness, when you start to rise in consciousness, people start to engage with you differently. Many times they're drawn to you. He'll say things like this. Uh, He wrote, the more closely you automatically resonate to the frequencies of the universal all creating source, the more others will be impacted and their lower energies nullified. They'll gravitate toward you, bringing peace, joy, love, beauty, and abundance into your life. Well, follows, and he, did, he gives some opinions about some things about how that works, uh, and which we're going to break down in a moment. But what I want you just to be mindful of is just how your energies impact others. This reminds me of a story years ago. And, you know, I love to tell uh, Johnny Coleman stories. And we were in the faith chapel of the ministry, our smaller chapel upstairs. And in the midst of this meeting, ministry leader meeting, once it was over, Reverend Coleman was walking out and a parishioner, a woman, walked up to her to give her a hug. And when she gave Reverend Coleman a hug, she just fell to the floor under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I mean, she was gone. And, and Reverend Coleman said, literally, uh, take me to my office. The power is all over me. So she was in a high spiritual consciousness and it affected someone else who touched her. And I can share stories about this happening with a whole bunch of other people, but I didn't see a lot of that stuff firsthand. I saw the stuff that happened firsthand at Christ Universal Temple and in my ministerial circles. I can speak on those things because I know them to be in integrity. I know the people who it happened to on both sides of the fence. I knew the lady who failed. I know, I know, she wasn't faking. It wasn't no cameras. It wasn't anything to be seen. And she was a woman of integrity. She's now moved on, made her transition a few years ago. Now I'm standing next to one of our uh, platform leaders, and I'm just standing there looking like, "Wow, okay." She just hugged her and fell out under the power of the Holy Spirit for about five minutes, and I'm saying that to say. How does your consciousness impact your environment? How does your consciousness impact your environment? Okay, so Reverend Wells loves to tell the story of, the, you know, when there's a fire, a person walks up with a bu- two buckets. One has gasoline, one has water. Do you douse the fire or do you enhance it? Do you bring peace? Do you bring love? Do you bring Bring calmness, understanding, wisdom to an experience, even energetically, if you never open your mouth, or do you add to the agitation and disturbance of your environment? It's just a question. So the first thing he wrote was on page 98. Your presence installs calmness. He wrote, when you can coincide with intention, your impact on others has a calming influence. People tend to feel more at peace, less threatened and more at ease. The power of intention is the power of love and receptivity. It asks nothing of anyone, it judges no one, and it encourages others to be free to be themselves. As people feel calmer in your presence, they are inclined to feel safe by virtue of the energy frequencies that you radiate. In other words, they feel the love. Quoted Walt Whitman, who wrote, "We convince people by our presence." So I'm just asking you, just to ask yourself, do you instill calmness in people? I, you know, I've told the story many times on this podcast, but I remember when I, within my first year or so of being ordained, I had already been preaching at CUT for several years. I've been a teacher even longer. So you know, I've you know been teaching. When I, you know, before the license in all through 96, got a license as a universal foundation for a better living teacher in 97, joined the JCI staff, Johnny Coleman Institute staff in 97, was preaching in 2000, got ordained in 2002. So the people knew me. And when we got a call that a minister was needed at a hospital, I believe it was Christ Hospital in Oak Lawn, Illinois, I drove over there. And I'll never forget when I walked through that I into that ICU, the wife of the man who was in the bed, hospital bed, she grabbed her husband's hand and she said, Everything's gonna be all right now. Reverend McDowell is here. And that moment, in that moment alone, was the wake up call for me of what it really means to be a minister. Because, you know, I'm sitting there like, Everything's going to be all right because I'm here. But then I had to dawn it, it dawned on me. You literally represent God. Not metaphorically. You literally represent God to people. Now, as a new thought person, I believe that God is in everybody. That the Christ, the I am, the spiritual nature is within every person. But in the human experience, those who have dedicated their lives to teaching and experiencing and helping other people understand and experience the presence of God, you represent God. And that was an eye-opener for me because I thought I understood what it meant until I was in a situation at at an ICU. Now, here's the thing. The, The most beautiful thing about it is this. We prayed, he got better, and he lived for many more years. That's a blessing. That's a blessing, because I realized that being an open channel for spirit, uh, or as Wayne Dyer will call it, intention, is a game changer in everyday life. So the energy in the room calmed down when I walked in, which allowed the possibility for the next steps to happen. The receptivity to spirit the allowing the universal life force to flow and function. But the calmness, Wayne Dyer wrote this uh, on this. He said, intention doesn't interact against anything. It's like gravity, which doesn't move against anything, nor does gravity itself move. So in other words, when you're just this consciousness of calmness, you're in a space of non-resistance. You're just functioning as the presence in this experience. Presence of intention, the presence of God individualized in this experience. So, what I'm saying is, in a real way, you should be able to calm people down uh, just by being in the space. And when people are worried or they're frustrated or they're scared, they're angry, if you have the proper consciousness, many times, and then some people are so far gone, obviously, you can't, you know, that's too wrapped up into their energy, where it's hard to pull them back. But I believe with God, all things are possible. So depending on the level of consciousness, but in most situations and circumstances, your peace is transferable. And what I mean by transferable, I mean, is the people back in the old days in the Bible, I mean, uh, church days, at least they used to say this in the black church, Somebody to stand in the gap. Can you be a practitioner that can hold someone in consciousness to the point to where they can cycle down from fear, from anger, from frustration, from doubt? Just a question. But here's the thing. If you can't do it for yourself, it's going to be very difficult to do it for somebody else. Can you calm yourself down from those things? Can you say peace be still to your own soul before you say peace be still to somebody else's? Like literally, you know, just yesterday I I was in the store buying a few items and I was told to get a, a greeting card for a particular person. And I didn't know what the greeting card was for. So I had to just stand there at the rack and just look. And it was like that card, open it up. I didn't know it was a great card. I didn't know what the, why it was for, made sure I got the card to the person. And it was exactly what the person needed. I had no idea. That's how this stuff works. You just have to be obedient. Now, the next one is your presence leaves others feeling energized. Okay. He wrote, when you bring the frequencies of intention into the presence of others, they feel energized just by being in your immediate circle. All right. So you know your consciousness not only brings energy but it also instills confidence we can do this we can make it you know we can do this i can remember i don't remember who it was but one of those uh players that played with michael jordan in the 80s and 90s said when we walked on the court we were always confident because we had michael jordan on our team so michael jordan's consciousness and let's just be honest his exceptional skill level as being the greatest of all time and playing basketball allowed him to instill confidence but there have been a lot of great players who did not instill confidence in their teammates but his presence energized them like look I'm gonna play as hard as we, I can because I know we always have a chance because he's on our team So Wayne Dyer went on to write, as you bring, excuse me, as you begin consciously expressing the seven faces of intention, you will discover that others begin to comment on the impact you are making on them. They'll want you to, they will want to assist you in fulfilling your dreams. So I'm a big believer that those who help others gain confidence, teach others how to live a better life, et cetera, et cetera, help other people get their healings, their transform transformation, their breakthroughs. People want to help them get what they want. Like, if you've helped me get my breakthroughs, how can I help you? I can't tell you how often I've had people walk up to me and say, how can I support you? How can I help you? It's one particular member who almost every time I see her, she asks me, how can I support you? How can I help you? How can my husband and I support you? And it feels great. From the standpoint of giving out so much as a person who works in full time ministry, that somebody is saying you've helped me so much, what can I do to support you? I mean, it it, it means the world. You um, know, my in my classes lately uh, that I've been teaching in the Johnny Coleman Institute, I've been having people, the students, come together with my assistant Robin, and they, you know, they they gave me a staycation one time where you know you know just money to go do a little quick sabbatical Uh, they bought me uh, a membership to the UFC gym I'm a martial artist so I was able to go in and you know wrestle and, and kick and punch folks and all this other stuff that I love to do and it was beneficial to my soul because it was letting them, letting me know that they appreciated what I do. Now, I'm not saying I do it for their appreciation, but everyone wants to feel appreciated. Everyone wants to feel as though they're making a positive impact in others' lives. And many times, you know, sometimes people are like the people when Jesus told the 10 lepers to go to the to the um, river, wash themselves, they'll be healed. And then go to the priest and be declared healed. and after that process, nine went on away, went on, out and about about their business, and only one came back to thank Jesus for the healing. Only one, and sometimes that's what life is like in ministry. No complaint, but sometimes it's like that. Okay, I got what I needed, and people and people move on. So, so when the one out of the ten comes back and says, "What can I do for you?" How can I support you? How can I help you accomplish what you want to accomplish? It feels absolutely great. Now it's a blessing on blessing. Instead of it being a a monologue, now it's a dialogue. Now the energy is going both ways. All right. Now, the next point is your presence allows others to feel better about themselves. Your presence allows others to feel better about the, themselves. He wrote, "Have you ever noticed when you're in the presence of certain people that you feel better about yourself? Their compassionate energy has noticeably pleasant impact of simply making you feel good about yourself." Now that's true. There are certain people when you're around them, you just it lifts you up energetically. And then there's other people that energetically they drain you. Now you can find, you can get to a place in consciousness where that doesn't affect you at the level that it that that it used to. You know, I've become insulated to a lot of unnecessary stuff, but part of that is because I just don't deal with it and don't care and don't give it meaning. But no one is complete completely insulated from the effects of other people's consciousness. You have to do the work to stay up and be mindful of what you allow your consciousness to be involved in and around. So next point is your presence allows others to feel unified. So Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people unto me. I just want you to be mindful of that. If I be lifted up, I will draw all people unto me. So as you rise in consciousness, you become a unifying force. You become a central idea around through which people function. This is really the role of the high consciousness people, which we're going to get to in a moment. Like a Jesus who, when he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. You know, I'm just using the more common up-to-date language, all people up to me. What he was saying is I lift up, as I rise in consciousness, I will draw people up with me, people who are open and receptive to what that looks like and what that means. I will draw those people up to me. I will draw those people up to me. Now, it's important to recognize that the first thing you have to do is rise in consciousness because none of this matters if you don't rise in consciousness. So when people are around and they, they feel unified around you, they feel connected. People want to f- have a sense of connection. They want a, a sense of belonging. They want a sense that they're not only being tolerated, but accepted and wanted. So I want you just to be present to that awareness that are, are you a unifying force? Are you consistently pushing people away? He wrote war is Always expensive, but war starts in the mind, then it shows up out here. So if you're at war with yourself and in war with ideologies in your mind, because some people are, they're at war with ideologies. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And I'm not saying you can't take a stand for what you believe is right. I believe in that. But even when you take a stand, what level of consciousness are you taking the stand from? Because that makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. Then he wrote, your presence instills a sense of purpose. Your presence instills a sense of purpose. And this is important too, because it reads He says, when you are in the high spiritual energies, you bring something to others that's almost inexplicable. Your presence and behavior from a space of love, acceptance, non judgment, and kindness becomes a catalyst for others feeling on purpose in their lives. When you are in this power of intention, when you're on purpose, it inspires people to live on purpose. It inspires people. And, you know, uh, you know, I remember and uh, without saying any names, it was a, a person in particular that inspired me a lot when I was a young person. And um, I went to an event to hear the person speak. And the person was talking about some of the health challenges. Uh, it was a guy that he was having. And I can remember, uh, you know, he he was going through it, so he he sounded defeated almost in his language. He was wrestling with it, and it and it was leaking out in his presentation. And when the presentation was over, I just chased him down. And, you know, I just shared with him almost with tears in my eyes, like, man, not you. Like, no, man, you can do it. You can make it. You can whatever. Because, you know, at that time, at that stage of my development, I needed him to believe in himself because I was leaning on what he was teaching me. And, you know, it was it, he, he was around for a couple of days. And the next day I was walking down the hallway and he saw me and he said to me, uh, young man, come here. And I, I walked over there. And again, I'm in my 20s. And he said, thank you for that consciousness adjustment. I needed it. I think what he saw was what he meant to other people. And I'm not saying that he can't have moments where he or I now can't have moments where I fall down on anyone else that inspires people. But what you do and how you move and what you say and how you handle things energetically affects folks. It affects folks. And, you know, when you have the heroes. I didn't realize everybody won't always live up to it, but I think it's important to let people know, like, look, man, no, you know, I know who you are and who you are was not the guy that I was talking right back then. I know who you are. I've studied you every, every word. I, I need you to be in alignment with, with what you teach. I wasn't calling him, calling him to the carpet. I was calling him back to himself. And he thanked me about it the next day. When you're on purpose, it helps other people stay on track. It lifts other people up to a consciousness that they can do what they need to do. And I'm not saying that their life is your responsibility. What I am saying is, as Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. Then it says, Your presence allows others to trust in authentic personal connections. Again, your presence allows others to trust in authentic personal connections. He wrote, in the atmosphere of higher energy, people trust and want to share their personal stories with you. By being so connected to intention, you are more God-like. And who would you trust more than God to share your secrets with? And this is true. The more you rise in consciousness, people just open up to you and they share and they feel comfortable enough to show up authentically authentically everybody's not going to show up authentically because they don't feel as though they're in safe space but as you function as in higher consciousness you can do that you know one of the things that i do because i love people I, uh, you know I'm, i i consider myself an introverted extrovert and what i mean by that is i like to spend a lot of time by myself and when i'm around people i enjoy and love people so you know, I'm just as comfortable being by myself with a book in my hand, uh, reading, praying, studying, contemplating, whatever. And I'm just as comfortable being around people because I love people. Now, because of that, when I'm around people, people who I don't even know, well, sometimes just meet are very kind to me. I can remember one time, um, you know, I went to a store and my wife had bought something that needed to go back and I brought I brought the receipt back but she had brought it bought it on a debit or credit card and they were like well we can't take it back because we have to put it back on the card that it was bought from and you don't have the card no but you know I'm like look you know I I'm just showing up as as loving energy uh the manager came and she was like she looked at me and I was like, hey, I'm, you know, just trying to take care of this, you know, for my wife. Do what I need to do to handle this business, you know, and, and um, is there any way it could be done? She's like, "Why? Well, normally we wouldn't do it this way. But could you just get the credit card number and just type it into this to the pad? And we'll give you a, a uh, we'll put the money back on the card, not a cash refund, the money back on the card. We don't do that. That's against the policy. But she did it anyway. Authentic personal connection. You know, uh, as I often tell my my daughter Angel, your emotional intelligence is your superpower. People feel authentically connected to you. Therefore, uh, people want to help you. People want to support you because you are showing up authentically and you're engaging with people authentically. It's a superpower. It really is. The next one is your presence inspires others to greatness. And I speak a little bit about that in purpose. But when you are functioning from a certain level of consciousness, it inspires because the word inspiration means in spirit, right? So he wrote, when you inspire others by your presence, you are utilizing the originating power of intention for the benefit of all those you touch, including yourself. So when people are around you, and they want to be better, they want to be better versions of themselves, that is because of what is emanating, what is radiating from you. Like literally radiating from you. You know, there are people in your life because of how they show up as the spirit of greatness that you don't want to disappoint. Not because of them being punitive or judgmental, but because of what they see in you and what you see in them. You know, I'm not going to get into reasons why, but I literally told a person yesterday, not yesterday, it was last week, that it was a particular minister here, and it wasn't Reverend Coleman. It was was one around this particular situation that I never wanted to disappoint. I was like, I'll never want to disappoint her but she invested too much in me, just too much. I was inspired by her greatness to be great. And when it came to the presentation of New Thought, when I was studying the Johnny Colemans of the world, the Les Browns of the world, the Dennis Kimbros of the world, um, you know, uh, you know Joe, Joe Hill, who's another minister, used to be here, the other just great speakers that used to come in and through CUT. I would study the greatness of their presentation styles and it inspired me. I was like, that presence made me want to be a great presenter of truth. And I hope that I inspire you to be a great, not only mean you want to be a speaker, but for somebody who wants to do this, they feel called to do this. I want them to be inspired by my presentation. It's like, man, this is where you can take this message. This is what you can do with it. This is how you can teach it. This is how you can connect with it. Moving on. Your presence aligns others with beauty. Your presence aligns others with beauty. Now, we have already talked about beauty in the sense of of what beauty means and doesn't mean. But let me just write uh, in a previous episode. I'm not going to teach that over again. He wrote, when you are connected to intention, you see beauty everywhere and in everything because you're rating, aiding the quality of beauty. Your perceptual world changes dramatically at the higher energy of intent. You see beauty in everyone, younger or old, rich or poor, darker light with no distinctions. Now, this is functioning at a different level. Because You know, it's easy to say, Namaste, I salute the divinity within you, or Numaskar, which is the older, more religious version of that, or, you know, or other ways in which you are saying, I behold the Christ in you, or I see God in you. It's one thing to say it, it's another thing to really see it. Jesus wrote in the Beatitudes Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, God, you know, is, You know, invisible energy, intelligence, spirit. So you're not physically seeing God. What it's saying is you're seeing God everywhere you look. Seeing the wholeness of life, the perfection of life, the beauty of life, where others see other things, where others are focused on the appearances, you see the truth behind the appearances. It's sort of like looking. On a sunny day, if you look at a car, the car, um, the, the windows of the car will reflect the light. But if you get close enough to the car, you can see inside the car. It's the same thing. The next one is your presence instills health rather than sickness. Now, you know, I used to jokingly say to people, and I don't say it as much as I do now because people are so COVID spooked. Um, and I'm not saying that COVID isn't serious or anything of that nature. I'm talking about my own experience. I used to tell people all the time, my health is contagious. I used to just say it as a random statement. My health is contagious. And the reason why I said that was it was training my subconscious mind, and I was implanting it in someone else. If 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 you can spread dis-ease, germs, and viruses, then possibly you can spread the consciousness of health and protect yourself from that which would normally catch you up. So if you can spread sickness, can you spread health as a consciousness? Now I realize one is left on a function of biology, but the other is on the level of mind. But here's the thing. All causation is mental. Everything begins in the mind. So if I can impress my mind, and I can impress upon your mind, that God is my help, and God is your help, then I can Your consciousness can affect the cells of your body. The intelligence or the mind in every cell speaks to the life or the activity in every cell that shows up as the form or the substance of every cell. That's the process. All right. So. When you are praying for somebody that's having a health challenge, you have to behold wholeness. You have to see wholeness. I really want you to think about that. When you're praying for somebody, are you praying for God to change a sick person into a healthy person? Or are you beholding the life, the perfect whole life of God that transmutes and transforms that experience into something that is consistent with the truth of that person's being? All right, so we're going to take a real quick break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm still in the midst of teaching Chapter 5, Your Impact on Others When Connected to Intention, out of the book, The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. So on page 104, we, we're we going to start talking about some higher-level stuff now. He wrote about your impact on the consciousness of all humanity. Now, let me just say, first of all, that there have been many different terms used in um, New Thought, in particular about the consciousness of all humanity, a lot of old new thought books and writers and leaders use the term race consciousness, meaning human race, not race, meaning ethnic background. Race consciousness meant all of humanity's past thinking, the collective of all of humanity's past thinking, and our impact on race consciousness and race consciousness's impact on us, which isn't talked about enough, by the way, in the new thought movement. The impact of race consciousness on us. Some people called it, uh, like uh, like Joseph Murphy and a few other people, the law of averages. In other words, there's a collective consciousness and out of that collective consciousness, things happen. So many people get sick. So many people have accidents. So many people prosper. So many people win the lottery. So many people get married. So many people don't, et cetera, et cetera. Law of averages is all a part of the race consciousness. Some people call it collective consciousness. I believe Joel Goldsmith called it the universal mortal belief system. But if it wasn't those terms, it was something very close to it. In other words, still the, this collective consciousness. Um, you know, some people use the term Akashic records. All of man's past thinking is all together. They can be pulled out of the ethers and all type of stuff like that. Regardless of your term, all we're all we're individual individual. Ideas in the mind of God. We have consciousness, and we affect the collective consciousness, and the collective consciousness has an effect or impact on us. So he wrote. So he starts to deal with Dr. David Hawkins, who I actually saw speak at uh, Michael Beckwith's conference, the GAPI, uh conference in California, probably two thousand nine, if I had a good guess. I think it was around 2009, he wrote a book called Power Versus Force. And on page 104, Dr. Wayne Dyer quotes him. He wrote, in Power Versus Force, Dr. David Hawkins writes, in this interconnected universe, every improvement we make in our private world improves the world at large for everyone. Mm. Anyway, we float on the collective level of consciousness of mankind So that any increment we add comes back to us. We all add to our common buoyancy by our efforts to benefit life. It is a scientific fact that what is good for you is good for me. Now, Dr. Hawkins did 29 years of research on consciousness development, vibrations of consciousness and what this looks like. So let me break this down. He wrote, in est- this is Dr. Wayne Dyer, by the way. In essence, every single person, as well as large groups of people, can be calibrated for their energy levels. Generally speaking, low-level energy people cannot distinguish truth from falsehood. They can be told how to think, whom to hate, whom to kill, and they can be herded into a group think mentality based on trivia, such trivial details as what side of the river they were born on, what their parents and their grandparents believed, the shape of their eyes. And the hundreds of other factors having to do with appearance and total identification with their material world. I would say we're still seeing that today. A lot of low energy, low consciousness people, no judgment, but they're still functioning on the level of tribalism. I'm black, you're white, I'm Asian, you're Hispanic, you're Polynesian. Um, You know, I'm American, Canadian, Mexican, Russian, Australian. You know, South American countries, Colombian or whatever. We get caught up in these labels. We get caught up in these identities. You know, um, you know, and we make these distinctions and we try to separate ourselves instead of saying this distinction is does not mean that I'm better than you or you're better than me. It just means that I have a way I'm showing up and expressing. And so he wrote that. Hawkins tells us that approximately 80% of humanity calibrates at a collective energy that weakens them. Mm. So in other words, they're just energetically in consciousness, in space, they're in alignment with energy that does not support their higher purpose, love, harmony, joy, divine order, peace. So he wrote, the higher up the ladder of frequency, vibration, the fewer people there are at those levels. Again, and Jesus said, if I be lifted up, the highest levels are represented by the truly great persons who originated spiritual patterns that multitudes have followed throughout the ages. They are associated with divinity and they set in motion, attractor energy fields that influence all of humankind. So in other words, he's talking about these avatar level people, you know, that, you know, founded religious traditions, brought spiritual and philosophical insight to the world. And drew people to those teachings to change and transform human behavior. All right. Then he wrote, just below the energy level of pure enlightenment are the energy levels associated with the experiences, experience designated as transcendence, self-realization or God consciousness. Here though, here are those who are called saintly reside. Just below this level is the place of pure joy and the hallmark of this is compassion. Those who attain this level have more of a desire to use their consciousness for the benefit of life rather than for particular individuals. Below these supremely high levels, which few ever attain in a permanent way, are the levels of unconditional love, kindness, acceptance of everyone, beauty, appreciation, and on a more limited but nothing, nothing less profound level, all of the seven faces of intention described in the opening chapters of this book. Below the levels of energy that strengthen us are the low energies of energy levels of anger, fear, grief, apathy, guilt, hatred, judgment, and shame, all which weaken and impact us in such a way as to inhibit our connection to the universal energy level of intention. So what he's saying is what Dr. Hawkins was teaching is there's these levels of consciousness. And depending on what level of consciousness you function, these levels have aspects. How do these levels show up? This is also taught in Spiral Dynamics, about the different levels. and They do color levels of the levels of psychology. Maybe one day I'll do a series on spiral dynamics. I haven't studied it in a long time, so I don't want to start drilling down on the color levels because I honestly don't remember. But the, high, the higher you go up in consciousness, different aspects or distinctions you see at that level of human consciousness. And here's the thing. All of those levels are functioning in humanity at one time. All right. So then he goes through uh, Doctor Hawkins' book, "The Eye of the Eye," and he starts to deal with um, what Doctor Hawkins' research discovered. Now you can accept this or not accept it, but from my perspective, I look at it as okay. What is this telling me as about a, as a person who teaches spiritual power, spiritual intention, spiritual law, spiritual grace, and the and uh, and consciousness that. As Joe Goldsmith wrote, consciousness is what I am. As Emmett Fox wrote, life is consciousness. What does it mean? Because thought is mental vibrational impulse. So, therefore, as I think I'm radiating, I'm vibrating at a mental level, energy. So, so, Dr. So, quoting Dr. Hawkins, this is the research that came out of this. About the impact of consciousness and levels of consciousness. Number uh, I ain't gonna say number one, but the first one is: one individual who lives and vibrates on the energy of optimism and willingness to be a non-judgment, to be non-judgmental of others, will counterbalance the negativity of ninety thousand individuals who calibrate at the lower weakening levels. So, one person with this consciousness of optimism and willingness and non-judgment. Counterbalances 90,000 individuals who are calibrating at lower levels of consciousness. Next one. One individual who lives and vibrates to the energy of pure love and reverence for all life will counterbalance the negativity of 750,000 individuals who calibrate at the lower weakening levels. So, in other words, when you reach this level of pure love and reverence for life, you're offsetting. 750,000 people who are functioning at a low level of consciousness. Low levels that have already been discussed. The tribalism, the anger, the frustration, the violence, the, disorder, the chaos, the anarchy. You're counterbalancing it. The next one is one individual who lives and vibrates to the energy of illumination, bliss, and infinite peace will counterbalance the negativity of 10 million people who calibrate at the lower weakening levels, and the, they also add approximately 22 such sages are alive today. Now, so what this is saying is when you reach the level of illumination, bliss, and infinite peace, you're offsetting 10 million people. That's like basically saying you can reach a certain level of consciousness where you're offsetting New York City, all five boroughs, but it's not a lot of those people walking the earth, according to David Hawkins's research, 22. He's, and again, that's an approximate number. The next one is, one individual who lives and vibrates to the energy of grace, pure spirit, beyond the body in a world of non-duality or complete oneness will counterbalance the negativity of 70 million people who calibrate at the lower weakening levels. Approximately 10 such sages are alive today. So what that's saying is this Christ. I would call that Christ consciousness. Some other people in other traditions might call it cosmic consciousness or Buddha consciousness. I don't. I don't want to start getting into the terms. But from a Christ consciousness standpoint, this consciousness of oneness with pure spirit. I mean, like really pure spirit. This level of of not just it's almost beyond mysticism. It's not. It's not just uh, God in me but literally God asked me and then you get to there's just God you don't see any distinction the father and I are one. So out of this information Dr Hawkins offered a few things. Number one, page one this is on page 107. One single avatar living at the highest level of consciousness in this period of history to whom the title Lord is appropriate, such as Lord Krishna, Lord Buddha, and Lord Jesus Christ, would counterbalance the collective negativity of all of mankind in today's world. This is why it's important to rise in consciousness. This is why Jesus and people like him, and I'll just use Jesus in this term, becomes a central idea around it. So. When people are in in the Christian, uh, traditional Christian uh, denominations have this, you know, are so Jesus centric is because as a consciousness, when people are lying around the idea of what he represents, to symbolizes, it becomes a transformative factor. People do feel relieved. They do feel calm. They do feel peaceful. That's why I don't, you know, I don't have to agree with the theological points. Because even Charles Fillmore in Unity used to say that, you know, if you read, uh, I believe his talks on truth, he talks about the Jesus releasing his consciousness into the into the collective consciousness of humanity, and in, and impacting it. Now, I'm not about to drill down on that because I'm not teaching talks on truth. That might be a book that I might teach one day on this show. Hmm. Anyway, moving on. So he also wrote the ne- negativity of the entire human population would self destruct if it were not the countering effects of these higher energy fields. What he's saying is this. We see stuff happening in the world. What would be happening if it wasn't for people who are functioning at higher spiritual levels radiating and impacting human the collective human consciousness to stop many of the things that were that are possible. Like nuclear war for instance. And as as challenging as it can be in the world today, the world is exceptionally less violent. It's exceptionally less dangerous than it was 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Because now there are people who desire and know that it's possible to create a society that doesn't need that type of violence in danger to function. But the more we function out of tribalism and the more we start to rise in consciousness through these levels, the more we're impacting the entire world and the world that you're born into. So I'm going to use an allegory. I'm going to use this term allegorically because I don't want you to miss what I'm saying, but it's an old Christian term, born in sin. What that term means metaphysically, esoterically, is this, that all people are born into a mentality of what it means to be human, a collective consciousness that functions at a lower level. All right? So when the Christian says that you're born in sin and Christ saves you from your sin, esoterically, metaphysically, the Christ in you saves you from that sin state of mind that it helps pull you out of the collective mentality that the majority of the world functions on. Christ is your hope of glory, but it's Christ in you, your hope of glory, that saves you from your sin what you have accepted as a part of what's possible and what it means to be a human being coming into the world. Every baby is born into a collective consciousness, whether they believe it or not. I just explained that the race consciousness, all of man's past thinking as a collective, good, bad, or indifferent. We're all born into that mental framework, almost like the matrix. Not literally plugging something into your, directly into your brain but psychically affecting your psychology. So as you start to raise up and rise up in spiritual awareness, you pull yourself up and beyond many things that affect other people and you impact the collective consciousness as well. In other words, your spiritual development matters. So what do we get out of this? Wayne Dyer wrote, page 107. The implications of these figures are immense for discovering ways of improving, improving human consciousness and raising ourselves to the place where we match up with the same energy of intention from which we were intended. By raising our own frequency of vibration only slightly to a place where you regularly practice kindness, love, and receptivity, and where you see beauty and endless potential of good in others as well as yourself. You counterbalance 90,000 people somewhere on this planet who are living in the low energies, energy levels of shame, anger, hatred, guilt, despair, depression, and so on. So, your work matters. Okay. Okay. So, he gives some suggestions at the end of this chapter. Number one is become aware of the importance of making all your relationships divine. That takes work. Okay. Because some people do a great job of hiding that divine nature. That means you have to behold the Christ. How I see you matters. Notice what I just said, how I see you matters. Number 2. When a question of morality arises concerning how you would act toward others, simply ask yourself what would the Messiah do or what would Christ do or what would whoever you consider an ideal do. The idea is to pull your awareness up to a higher way of Way of thinking. Number three, keep track of judgments you direct towards yourself and others. Be mindful of how you are devaluing yourself and others. Again, judgment isn't a bad word until it gets turned into criticism and the devaluing of individuals. Judgment just is a decision, or it's an evaluation. And sometimes you do have to judge things. You know, I know people say Jesus said, "Don't judge." Uh, but he also said, uh, "Do not judge according to appearances, but judge righteous judgment." What is righteous judgment? Judgment based upon the principles of spirit. Number four: Whatever you want, want it. Whatever, whatever others want, want it for them so strongly that you disperse their energy outward and act from this level of spiritual consciousness. In other words, be a stand for and radiate that energy for yourself. Somebody want um somebody wants something be a stand in consciousness and see it for someone else put energy towards it radiate towards it number five be continually alert to the fact that simply by thinking and feeling in harmony with the seven faces of intention you'll be counterbalancing the collective ne- negativity of a minimum of 90 thousand people and perhaps millions uh so let me um quote from the autobiography of a yogi which is on page 110 of the book by yogananda the deeper the self realization of a man the more he influences the whole universe by his subtle spiritual vibrations and the less he himself is affected by the phenomenal flux the more you rise in consciousness you affect everything and and everything affects you less That's the process. So the next chapter of this book is Intention and Infinity. I'm going to be doing a few interviews over the next couple of weeks. So you might hear the interviews first, and then I'll get back to this because I want to give myself the best opportunity to give you all the information you need, but also break up sometimes the just teaching by myself. I want to lean on other people who have dedicated their lives to the development of human consciousness, the transformation of the human experience. So I have a few guests coming up that'll help me with that conversation. So stay tuned. I'm going to teach this book until I'm finished with it, but I want to make sure that we are doing what we need to do to handle the business. Get your breakthrough. Do the work. You're worth it. And the world is worth it. God bless you. I'll be back with you uh, next week with Truth Transforms.